You're listening to your superpowered mind on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that investigates the innate power within your brain to create lasting change. Hello, everyone. Welcome to your superpowered mind. I'm Kristen Maxwell. And in this show, we explore the process of transformation and give you tools and strategies that you can use to transform your own life. Today, I am going to be talking to Dr. Avanti Kumar Singh about creating healing and happiness with Ayurveda. Dr. Singh is a former ER doctor who left Western medicine to study traditional healing cultures from around the world. She is now an Ayurveda wellness expert. Over the past 20 years, Dr. Kumar Singh has shared her expertise with Fortune 500 colleges, Fortune 500 companies, universities, and uh, medical conferences. She has been featured in numerous publications and is the host of the Healing Catalyst podcast. I'm really excited to talk to Dr. Singh. So welcome to Your Superpowered Mind. Thanks for having me, Kristen. I'm so glad to be here. Yes. My, my first question is always, what superpower did you uncover as the result of mastering your mind? You know, it's an interesting question. I've been thinking about how to answer this question <laughs> um, I because I know that your podcast is about superpowers. Um, you know, I think that it really came down to an understanding that when symptoms show up, they're there to tell you something. And when you can get quiet and actually try and understand what your symptoms are trying to tell you, uh, it's a very powerful, it's powerful information that's coming from your inner self, from your higher wisdom. Um, and so I think that using symptoms of any kind, however subtle or obvious they may be, can actually really give you a lot of really valuable information about your health and wellness, mind, body, and spirit, if that makes sense. So I think that when I really tuned back into that. And that's really a basic principle of Ayurveda, which is the healing tradition that I grew up with as a South Asian woman. Um, when I tuned back into that power and understanding that, I think everything shifted for me in my personal life, in my own healing, in my own healing journey, as well as the way that I practice medicine. So I would say that that's really, that was really what happened for me. Yeah, that's great. And what I um, can you give an example for what you might mean by symptoms are there to tell you something? I'm pretty sure I have an understanding, but what do you mean by that? Sure. So, you know, I can give you an example, my own personal example of what happened to me when I was in my medical training. You know, throughout my medical training, I would routinely just ignore anything that was showing up for me. So whether I had headaches, I had plantar fasciitis, if I had constipation, weight gain, and now those are extremes, right? That, that, those are the symptoms that were there uh, that were accumulating over years and years of just ignoring it because, you know, my career path was a long one. Uh, my training took a long time, but I know when, you know, if I reflect back, that all of those symptoms started with some early warning signs, right? A headache here and there, maybe an upset stomach here and there, maybe a little bit of pain in my, my heels because I was standing all the time as an ER doc, right? 
all of these little things that show up that we all just kind of push away and chalk up to nothing, right? Mm-hmm. But anytime that you're feeling something um, that is not the way I explain it to most people is feeling at ease, mind, body, and spirit, right? So if you're not feeling at ease, if there's something that's a little bit off, take notice of that, right? That doesn't mean that there's something significant that's going to happen. The point is, is that when you start to tune in to these symptoms and say, oh, something's going on, my body, my mind, my spirit is trying to tell me something, right? that I need to course correct. That's what I call it, course correcting on a daily basis. And really think about, you know, what have I been eating? What have I been doing? Um, What have I been thinking? What am I consuming as far as media? You know, all of these uh, sources of information, of sensory inputs, of even toxins that are coming into our energetic field all day long, every day, right? So the example is that, you know, I routinely ignored that through my medical training. And it wasn't until the symptoms got so bad that I, you know, basically kept throwing my back out every few weeks. And finally, I threw out my back just bending over to fold a blanket in my home (laughs) and was laid out for five days where I could not do anything. I was lying in my bed and I really had a lot of time to think. And I realized that, you know, I was only 32 years old at the time. And my health was worse than my grandfather, who had just passed away, um, who died at the age of 89 with not a single medical problem. He was not on any medications. And I started thinking, well, how did my grandfather do that? And it brought me back to the way I was that I was raised with Ayurveda and the principles of Ayurveda. Um, and so I think that was really that 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 moment of clarity of understanding i need to shift how i'm thinking about things it can't just be from a western perspective a western medical perspective of the symptoms show up and then you do something right it's yeah. it's really tuning in on a daily basis even when there's the slightest thing you just take notice of it you know that doesn't mean you have to do anything drastic but take some notice and then see, is that persisting? Well, then maybe you need to start doing something. So that would be the example I could give. Yes. I love that. And, and so much of what I do is mm-hmm. what I love. What you're talking about is how we just push through so much yep. of what we do. It's like, well, I, this feels off and this doesn't feel good. And so much of what I'm spending time with people is not as much with the physical part of it, but with the emotional part and mm-hmm. recognizing you do have these emotions and Absolutely. pushing past them all the time does not make you happy <laughs> right. or healthy. It doesn't make them go away. So right. this is what it brings to, and this is you know where I started and where lots of people are. Okay. So I'm noticing this and mm-hmm. I have these symptoms. Mm-hmm. What do I do? Right. You know, okay, now I have them. What do I do? Right. So it's kind of this, uh, this uh, pathway that I think about. And, and this is a common one when you, if you've, you know, read other psychology and um, even coaching models, right, self-coaching or healing models, which is this idea that, you know, your thoughts create feelings, create actions, you know, right, that's, that's a, a construct that we've heard of. Now, what I've added on to that is that 
the symptoms show up, however subtle or obvious, which then cause thoughts, which then cause feelings, which then cause actions. And that action can either be an action of doing something or not doing something. That will determine your course of healing. You either go down a path of health and healing or a path of illness, right? Because your action or inaction determines which direction you're going to go on. Now, you can go down this path every day, hundreds, thousands of times during the day, right? This, This process is happening all the time. And so I think that the first step is really becoming conscious and aware, which is really the point of Ayurveda. Ayurveda is about becoming aware of what is happening in your life from a 360 degree view, right? And understanding that everything is connected in in nature, right? We are connected to everything in nature and we are connected to everything that is in our life outside of us is actually connected to what's going on inside of us, right? In Ayurveda, there's the belief that what is outside of us is also inside of us. What shows up outside of us also shows up inside of us. So when you start with that understanding, you can then see how the symptoms that are showing up are reflecting something that's going on outside of you and having an impact on inside of you, right? So I think awareness, just becoming conscious um, and noticing that is the first step. And then it's really to think about, okay, so this is showing up, take notice of it. And try and start making some connections. How do you feel about it? What are your thoughts around that symptom? You know, when I was in my medical training, I think for me, you know, being in a field that was very male dominated, I mean, I trained 25 years ago now. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, also, uh, I was, you know, I'm, I'm first generation, my parents are immigrants from India. And, you know, I had this very strong sense of purpose and sort of, uh, wanting to fulfill their dreams as well as mine. Um, and so there was a lot of pressure I put on myself. So I had to hack it. I had to I had to make it through that training. So the physical symptoms that I felt or even the emotional ones of feeling very overwhelmed, stressed, anxious, those are all the thoughts that those symptoms were creating in my mind was that that's weakness. You know, mm. if you say that you are not feeling well, that you have these symptoms, that means that you're telling yourself you can't hack it. So those were the thoughts that I was having, which were creating feelings of inadequacy, of you know not being strong enough, smart enough, good enough to get through medical training because everybody else could do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which then led to my inaction of actually doing something really significant to help myself. I just pushed through. Right. And so it created my reality of going down this path um, to illness versus a path of healing. And so, again, the first step is always awareness and just seeing what is it bringing up for you? You know, how are you thinking about things? I I love what you've uh, how you've outlined that. That's so clear about what Mm -hmm. do you make these things mean? We do need to take a quick break Um, before we do. Can you let people know where they can learn more about you and your work in Ayurveda? Of course. My website is avantikumarsingh.com. It's just my full name. Um, 
on my website, I have all kinds of, you know, different resources, but I also have just written a book called The Health Catalyst, in which I talk all about these principles. And I also have a podcast called The Healing Catalyst. So those are a couple of ways to get in touch with me. Great. Hang on, we'll be right back and talk a little bit more about Ayurveda. Hello, I'm Tonya Don Reckla, Executive Director of Superpower Experts and creator of the Superpower Network. Welcome and thank you for making us your go-to place for inspired content, training, and community. The network is so much more than a place for amazing content. It's step one on the path to unlock your superpowers. Listen to one episode daily on the Superpower Network and attune yourself to inspired conversations, higher vibrational living, and much, much more. In step two, you learn with us by watching one of our inspirational videos each week from the IM series. And when you're ready, come grow in community. Our superpower programs offer a unique experience for those ready to harness their superpowers to change themselves, their lives, and ultimately, the world. Go to superpowerexperts.com and take the next step on your path today. Welcome back, everyone. I am talking to Dr. Avanti Kumar Singh. And so... I think you started to allude to it earlier. You know, what is Ayurveda and what are the, the principles of it? Sure. You know, Ayurveda is the traditional healing science, the, the ancient system of medicine that comes from India. And the basic principle, if I had to really sum it up in sort of one concept, is that we are connected to everything in nature because we are made of the same five elements that exist in nature, which are air, uh, space, fire, water, and earth. And so because of that, we're made of the same five elements. When we are in sync, when we are connected and in harmony with those five elements, we can have optimal health. That's really the basic principle of Ayurveda. So then that shows up in how we live our everyday lives, whether it's our daily routines, the diet that we have, or the tools of yoga that we use, which is for movement and the movement of vital energy through the system. Those are three the three areas of sort of what we call remedy or living that we use in Ayurveda to help ourselves stay in optimal health. Okay. So when we're in harmony, I love that, that idea. It's mm -hmm. almost even, you can almost take a deep breath when you think mm -hmm. about harmony <laughs> mm -hmm. in our systems. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so there's this idea that it sounds like there are three branches. We address our routines, our diet and our movement. Mm -hmm. Is that what I... Yeah, well, the tools of yoga is what I really call it, because it's anything that's going to help uh, circulate and keep the prana or the vital life force energy moving through your system. So tools of yoga include the actual postures, it includes meditation, it includes breath work, as well as visualization, sound, uh, gestures, all of those different tools. Mm -hmm. ah, great. And so... In what way, just out of it for an example, how does, what is the importance of keeping the, our energy moving? You know, what, what does that do for us and our health? Right, sure. So there's a definition of, of health that comes from Ayurveda that I've kind of simplified in this way that, you know, optimal health is really based on a simple equation. It's the decrease of toxins 
and at the same time, the increase of the flow of vital energy in the system, right? So if we can continually decrease and eliminate toxins that are coming into our system, and at the same time, increase the flow of vital energy in the system, we will have optimal health. It's a really simple equation. So how do we do that? Really, everything that we're doing on this daily basis, this idea of becoming aware of what's going on in your life, you're then very aware of, are there lots of toxins coming into me? Because they're showing up as some subtle you know, um, uneasiness that I'm feeling in my mind, body, or spirit. Do I have a lot of toxins coming in from various areas of my life? And if I do, how can I decrease those? How can I make some adjustments to the way I'm living uh, to help decrease those toxins? And at the same time, you can also assess, is the flow of energy within my system blocked or decreased? What can I do to increase that flow of energy, right? So it's sort of this idea of balancing those two and always thinking about those two things. Yes, I love that. So you're coming at it from two directions, you know, you're sort of surrounding it. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that I noticed from, you know, looking through some of your materials is, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, listening to your podcast is that toxins can include not just physical toxins, but emotional or mental, Mm -hmm. you know, things, how we're interpreting life Mm -hmm. and what's going on. Absolutely. I, I think that that's actually such a key Uh, source of toxins. It's actually, you know, something I call hidden toxins. And actually, my podcast episode that just came out today is actually about that exact topic, this idea of hidden toxins, and what are the sources. And some of the greatest sources are the mental and emotional um, beliefs and thoughts we're having about what's going on in our life. You know, whether it's the, th- the emotions and feelings and thoughts that we have surrounding our relationships or our career, calling, work, whatever you want to call that, um, or around, you know, our environment, the place that we live in, especially in this time of COVID, right? Working from home and being sheltered. How are we feeling, right? All of these things have a significant impact on our health and our wellness. Um, and so I would actually... Many times I think that the mental and emotional is probably the key component that we really should look at first before we start looking at other things. Right. And when when we notice these things coming in, sort of unpack what we're making them mean, what other kinds of things do you suggest people do to help decrease the impact of these? I know this is a huge question. But yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Well, <laughs> where you know, would you get started? <laughs> right. So, you know, I think it's I think it's taking a look at sort of these different areas of your life and then deciding what's an area that you feel like really would have a significant impact. Now, that doesn't mean it has to be the biggest thing that you challenge and take on, right? Because it's not about, you know, making it difficult or blowing up your life in any way. But picking one small thing and deciding, you know, how could I decrease the effects of this or any negative or what I, not even negative, uh, health weakening sort of aspects of this uh, source of toxins, right? And so, you know, I think one of the best ways to do that is really to first think about um, how, how is this affecting me in a daily life and how can I adjust 
either my my routines, my daily schedule, my diet, or try and increase the flow of vital energy. So how would that relate? Let's say, let's give an example. Let's say you decide that, you know, you realize that you have a lot of relationships in your life that are causing a lot of stress, anxiety, worry for you. And, and maybe the source of toxins, of a huge source of toxins for you on your health and wellness, right? But obviously you can't deal with all of those relationships all at once. And it's not mm. about, you know, blowing up your life again, as I say, right? But perhaps instead thinking about, well, what can I do from the perspective of either maybe adjusting my exposure to that relationship, um, changing my exposure to that relationship, or so that would be to decrease the toxins. The other way you could look at it is how can I increase the flow of vital energy with, with this relationship? So when you're going into uh, have interactions with this person who might be creating uh, a lot of anxiety and stress, what can you do to center yourself? Can you increase the flow of vital energy through your system to help discharge some of the toxins you know that are going to be coming? So before you go into an important meeting, if you have uh, someone that you work with that is that causes you a lot of stress and anxiety, can you really take a couple of minutes to do some deep breathing and have that flow of energy moving through you? Can you plan in your day that you're going to make sure that you go for a walk or do some yoga or um, some kind of physical activity, again, to get that vital force energy moving through your system, right? To discharge and to uh, decrease the effects of the toxins that are coming in. Does that make sense? Oh, yes. I love that. Mm -hmm. It's such a, a perfect, because there's a lot of focus, I think, in our you know, our culture around, well, this person's bad or this relationship is bad. So, right, I'm going to fix the relationship <laughs> or decrease it. You know, I'm not going to see them anymore. Right. But I love this idea of strengthening yourself through, mm -hmm. through moving the energy. It just, it makes so much intuitive sense. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's this idea that, you know, it's two parts to optimal health. It's decreasing toxins, but also increasing flow of energy, of vital energy, right? And so there are going to be times when you can't necessarily decrease the toxins in a significant way. So for example, in this example, if you work with someone who's your boss, let's say, mm -hmm. this isn't about like changing your, your work or saying I'm quitting and blowing up your life, right? It's more the more practical approach is to say, okay, becoming aware that this is causing a lot of toxic load that's showing up as mental stress, emotional feelings, anxiety, worry, right? Those are the subtle right. symptoms that are coming up. And then saying, okay, I can't necessarily decrease the toxins. I can try and limit some of my interaction with this person at work. But instead, let me, let me do some things to increase the flow of vital energy, right? That's something that is very much under in your control because you can learn how to breathe. You can learn how to move or you know how to, you already know how to breathe and move, but you can really do it more consciously right? As a conscious practice. Yes. I, and I love that that really does feel much more in your power mm -hmm. because I know so many people feel powerless, you know, mm -hmm. and with the world, with everything that's going on, yep. it's, it's, uh, there's a lot being thrown at us right now yes. to process. Yes. And we can't 
change in very many ways, a lot of right. what's going on. But if right. we can go inward and strengthen ourselves and that, that feels good. It really mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. It's very empowering. Yeah. And again, that has that again in that sort of uh, pathway we were talking about, right? When you change your feeling and you, and you realize that you do have, you're empowered, that will change your action, right? Because mm-hmm. if you feel powerless all the time, it's very hard to do anything. You feel, you feel like, what can I do that will actually make a difference? I'll forget it. I won't do anything. But if you have this idea and this understanding that you have a lot of power to make small changes. Now, again, this is not about making huge, uh, significant, you know, broad strokes types of things happening in your life, because I think we're very trained in Western society to think that it's got to be like a lightning bolt coming down from the sky for a change to happen. It's actually these small things that make significant differences when you're doing them regularly and committing to this practice. Yes. And that I, I, that was such a big light bulb moment for me when to realize that in your mental health and your physical health, it's these tiny little changes that you make again and again and again. And over time, even though each one, I used to be like, why would, you know, deep breathing, sure, whatever, it might mm-hmm. make me feel better then, but that's not going to change anything. And then, but when you make that choice again and again, it starts to shift your whole energy, kind of like a battleship or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Over time, it switches your direction. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so what about with diet? You know, I, I've... Mm-hmm looked at, at some of the principles of it, and it seems mm-hmm. like it could be very complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, but how generally does Ayurveda look at diet and all of the elements and how we incorporate those? Right. So, you know, that's actually uh, a more, it, that's not the beginner place. So a lot of yeah. people <laughs> who teach Ayurveda will start with food lists and doing opposites and all these these things that are all very, very important to Ayurveda, but really there are some basic ways of thinking about it. And it's what I call the principle of Ayurvedic eating, right? The first most important thing is to think about being seasonal. That That is like a great place to start for everybody. Seasonal eating is a 5,000 year old concept that comes from Ayurveda, right? Eating seasonal and local because mother nature is so much more intelligent than we are. So again, it's this idea of being connected to nature and eating what's in season. You know, in the United States, just because, you know, we can get anything from anywhere in the world mm-hmm. at any time, doesn't mean that we should be eating strawberries and mangoes in the middle of winter, right? Just because we can get them. That's not what mother nature is delivering to us. Most of us who live here in the United States, um, that's not what we're harvesting at that time of the year. So that's one thing, but the principle of Ayurvedic eating really says that, you know, what you eat matters, it really does, but it's not the whole story, right? The other factors of why, where, when, and how much you eat matter more than what you're eating. 
Because it's sort of this thing that I see all the time is that people will come to me and say, Dr. Kumar Singh, I have changed everything in my diet. I've eliminated this. I've eliminated that. I eat vegan. I'm gluten-free. All of these things, which can all be very beneficial, but they still don't feel well. And it's because they're not taking into account these other factors. That's what's missing. They're not thinking about the why. They're not thinking about the where, the when, and the how much. And those are very, very important concepts in eating. So I actually tend to steer people when they're first starting with Ayurveda and an Ayurvedic lifestyle to think about these other factors first before they get hung up on the specifics of the what. But I know that everybody is very human and everybody wants to know what to eat. Mm-hmm. So my my advice is always to start with seasonal eating. Make sure that you're eating seasonally. And that's a good place to start with the what. If that makes yeah. sense. That's and what I this I love it because I don't think I've ever thought about where, when, and how well, I'm probably thinking mm-hmm. about how much, but mm-hmm. where and when I'm eating and mm-hmm. sort of the how that I'm eating things. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's fascinating. And again, those are things that are much more um, feel in some ways much more controllable sometimes than what we're eating. Correct. Correct. Because it it can also become very stressful again, when you feel like you have to be attached to a food list. And Mm -hmm. you know, you're going about your everyday life, or you know, you can or can't get something in the grocery store, and you're sort of getting stressed out about what's on the food list. It's this is about Ayurveda is very much about becoming more intuitive. It goes back to what we were talking about before of becoming uh, aware of this inner knowing that you have. And the inner knowing we have is connected to what is in nature, right? There's that universal intelligence that we are connected to that exists. And so if we can sit a little bit with ourselves and think about these other aspects of eating, uh, we can tune into what we really need right? It's not then only about the what is available or what is on the food list. We can also think about how we're feeling, right? And, and adjust according to that. Yes. And it's just, I mean, this is a little bit of a sidetrack potentially, but part of so many of the holidays we have are that we celebrate in the United Mm -hmm. States are centered around specific kinds of foods and diets. And the thing that's funny is, you know, Thanksgiving food is very fall food mm-hmm. and Christmas food is very, you know, wintery mm-hmm. food yep. and 4th of July food is very summery food. Correct. And so, so when we are celebrating, we traditionally, yes. um, we are actually respecting the seasons. Correct. The seasonal eating. Correct. And you actually bring up a really good point. This is actually one of the points I make in many of my workshops and lectures is that think about the types of foods, the types of recipes that your family, that your generations of your family have made at different times of the year. Exactly that. What are they making during the holidays? Well, usually, depending on what culture is, that they're using what was available in nature, right? They're using more root vegetables. They're using more fatty meats if you're if you eat meat, right? Mm-hmm. They're using uh, more butter, more sugar. The reason is because that's what was available, but it's also because we intuitively know that in the winter months we need to keep our bodies warmer. And so those are foods that have a heaviness to them, a quality of being warm, of being heavy that helps to us to retain heat that we need in the winter time. 
And then to your example of July 4th foods, right? In the summer, most of the recipes our families would make have, you know, fresh raw vegetables and fruits, have um, citrus, um, have higher water content, maybe a little bit of sugar, right? And that's, again, to help us cool down in the summer, right? We're not necessarily making heavy stews in the middle of summer. That just doesn't feel right intuitively no, either. It does not. It really right? doesn't. <laughs> right? And it doesn't actually, you know, I always ask this question of, of people, like, you know, you eat all these salads because we all have all been trained in Western society to think that raw is the way to go all the time. Well, that's true to a certain extent. It's not actually good all the time for everyone. Because if you think about it, in the winter, do you really feel like eating a cold salad? And most people will say, no, I don't. So then why are you doing it? Because I think yeah. they should, right? Yeah, that's so funny. And I live in San Diego and mm-hmm. Southern California, where mm-hmm. literally my weather, <laughs> my weather, our weather, it goes between 65 degrees in the winter and it's 75 mm-hmm. degrees in the summer because I live mm-hmm. right near the beach. And right. we still, even we change our diet. Like yes. it feels weird. Yep. To make chili in the middle of the summer. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Right. And so there's that intuitive sense, even that's beyond just the weather, it's the seasons, it's the, um, the intuitive sense we have of being in rhythm with nature, that if we can start to honor that and actually tune into that, um, we can have optimal health. Yeah, I love that. I, you know, thank you so much for breaking this down into a way of really like we're feeling like this. Yes, this works. This would be a way that and a way of feeling that doesn't have a lot of rules attached to it, but Mm -hmm. is touching base with what's going on with inside me and outside. um, And really honoring that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. really makes sense. And then if you would, I'll put it in the show notes, but remind everybody again where they can find Mm -hmm. you and learn some more about this. Absolutely. So a couple of different ways. I'm on Instagram a lot. I love communicating with everybody there and helping with resources. So my Instagram handle is at Avanti Kumar Singh, which is my full name. My website is exactly that. My name, AvantiKumarSingh.com. And I also have a book that I just recently wrote, The Health Catalyst, and a podcast, uh, also the same title, The Healing Catalyst. And so you can find links to all of those um, through my Instagram, my link in my bio, or through my website. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here, listeners. Thank you for also really tuning in to yourselves And until next time, go out and remember that you do hold the power to change and transform your world. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today. 